What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. So I was looking at an article on MLB.com. It's talking about the best players to never win MVP. And this is exactly what it sounds like. They go through the 15 best players who never won the award, and they're only including position players whose prime years didn't precede, you know, when this award was created. You know, this award was was first given out in 1931, so it's not going to include, you know, players who played before then. So they go through 15 different players on this list. I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through all 15. I'll just take out the notable names, I, I will say, you know, names that most of us are likely to remember because they played more recently and they're just, you know, big time players. So without further ado, we'll start with Derek Jeter. So his best finish was second place in 2006. So Jeter's not necessarily the greatest player on this list, but he's the greatest example how you could be, you know, a big name in every way. You could be a very good player, especially with the bat. You can be a great hitter in every aspect and still miss out on this individual award. 2006 was... You know, his closest. He finished second in the voting in 06. He finished third in the voting twice. That was in 1998 and 2009. In 06, he fell just 14 points shy of the winner, Justin Morneau. And looking in hindsight with some of the more reliable metrics we have today, Jeter probably would have won that one if we use the kind of metrics that we consider today. But hey, he's got five rings, a World Series MVP, and a near-unanimous entry into the Hall of Fame, so I think he'll be just fine. Next, I'm going to go with Mr. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn had his best finish as third place in 1984. So if you made a Venn diagram that represents the qualities that made Tony Gwynn great and the qualities that are typically rewarded in MVP voting, you'll have two circles with very little overlap because... Gwynn, I mean, he hit 338 for his career and had eight batting titles. In his prime, he was a great defender and smart base runner, but he wasn't a power hitter. And we all know the MVP, MVP awards oftentimes end up with power hitters. He, he was not a power hitter whatsoever. He only played on three teams that reached the postseason. So that's also something that's going to be a knock against him, especially remember in 1984, that was the year he finished third. That was his best season. You know, in the 80s, back then, even heck, even in the 2000s, early 2000s, the MVP is typically like a hulking slugger on a playoff team. That's typically what it's been. And that's the exact opposite of what Tony Gwynn was in his career. So he's, he's on this list as well. Next up is Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, his best finish was fourth place in 1985. So just like Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs was one of the best pure hitters of his time and honestly one of the best pure hitters of all time. And he hit 328 for his career, 3,010 hits. He won five batting titles. He led the league in on-base percentage six times, but his run production was not home run oriented and that definitely affected his ballot showings at a time when voters obviously didn't have access to the context-driven stats like we have today. You know, they have OPS, they didn't have wins above replacement, they didn't have WOBA, all those all those things. So in 1986, when Wade Boggs hit 357 with a 939 OPS on a Red Sox team that went on to win AL pennant, 
he was actually considered to be the third most valuable player on his own team behind Roger Clemens, who won MVP, and Jim Rice. Boggs finished seventh overall that year. And then also in 1987, he had 363, hit 24 homers, and posted the highest OPS and war among position players in the league. Of course, no one was looking at those stats at the time, but he finished ninth that year. So he's definitely someone who has missed out on MVP awards. Moving on, next on this list is going to be Mike Piazza. So he's a catcher. His best finish was second place. He did that twice in 1996 and also in 1997. So there are other catchers who belong on this list, guys like Carlton Fisk and Gary Carter. But what stands out about Piazza is that despite the demanding defensive position, you know, he put up the kind of offensive numbers that you would traditionally associate with MVP. So you don't see those kind of, of offensive numbers from catchers usually. He had nine seasons with north of 30 homers, six of those with north of 100 RBIs. He led his league in OPS Plus twice. Obviously, no one was looking at this those years, 1995 and 1997. So, honestly, his second-place finish was to Larry Walker in 1997. You know, he was really close there. And then some people could say that he deserved to win in 1995 over Barry Larkin, and he actually finished fourth that year. Next on this list is Ozzie Smith. So you don't win MVP for defense, but he finished second in 1987. I mean, that's even true today still with all the fancy and reliable defensive metrics we have, but it was certainly true in the 1980s and everyone was fixated on fielding percentage back then. But Ozzie Smith was pretty widely regarded as the best defensive shortstop of all time. I mean, he still is. He's considered the best defensive shortstop of all time. 13 gold gloves to show for it. But he only has four seasons where his OPS plus was north of league average. But he was he was literally the he he is the the quintessential glove first shortstop from from yesteryear. You know, it used to be possible that you didn't have to hit at all as long as you had a really good glove, you could stick at shortstop for a long time. That doesn't really happen too much nowadays because we expect shortstops to hit a bit more these days. But you know, in the in the 80s, that's what Ozzie Smith was. Next on this list is going to be Adrian Beltre. So he finished second place in 2004. This was his best finish. So Beltre had an unusual career. So his offensive numbers slumped in what we typically consider his prime age years. And he was actually more productive in his 30s than in his 20s. He accumulated more than 3,000 hits and nearly 500 homers without the benefit of, you know, some crazy offensive seasons. But he just had a long career and it was very persistent, very persistent over his career. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's going to be there in a couple years. He's class of 2024. He, he's going to be in for sure. But second place was the best he could do for MVP in 2004, put in a 1,017 OPS. That turned out to be his career best by nearly 100 points. So, I mean, yes, he did manage to get six first place votes that year, but nobody was going to beat Barry Bonds that year. Nobody. So, last but not least, we will go with David Ortiz. His best finish was second place in 2005. A player has never won MVP in a season in which his primary position was DH. And, yeah, we, we may not see that, honestly, because the way now is that war has a pretty big, like, 
there's a lot of emphasis on wins above replacement for this MVP voting stuff now. We may never see a DH win this award, but Ortiz was close in 05 when he came to second place. And obviously, hulking slugger on a good team. He had a great run with the Red Sox. He, he fit that mold, but um, he didn't quite win it. But he still ended his career on a high note. We know he led the AL in OPS doubles and RBIs in 2016. And he became a first ballot Hall of Famer just this year. So... That's what we're going to cover. Those are our guys. Best players who are not, who did not win MVP. That'll do it for today. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.